Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to The Scene Podcast, a show about identity. I'm your host, Miranda Wiley. For The Scene Podcast, I ask guests to provide a list of the ways they have been viewed, acknowledged, and judged throughout their lives. This scene list reveals and guides our dialogue about identity, visibility, and invisibility while pursuing the question, how are you seen? Our first guest is Nikki Devon, writer, dance instructor, and all-around performer and shenanigans starter. She's the co-producer of Austin's only person of color burlesque cabaret show and the director of Fat Bottom Cabaret, Texas's only plus-size cabaret troupe. When I first met Nikki Devon, I was leaving a holiday party that she was just arriving at. We collided on the staircase with our mutual friend enthusiastically, i.e. drunkenly shouting, this is Miranda, the person I was telling you about. Nikki proceeded to envelop me in this huge hug that was startling, welcoming, and it so filled me with love that it kind of took my breath away. The hug led to an ask for Nikki to perform at Bedpost Confessions, a live storytelling show about sex that I produce. And Nikki did not hold back uh, and read a piece that she titled Good Dick about her love for just that, good dick. Nikki has this amazing natural storytelling ability and openness, and that openness and storytelling skill has brought her back to the Bedpost stage several more times over the years. And it was an absolute pleasure to invite her to the Scene Podcast to talk about more than just a good dick, although that does come up. Here's my conversation with Nikki Devon. Welcome, Nikki. Hi. Hi. So great to have you here. (laughs) So excited. Um, Will you kick us off with a reading of your scene list, please? Yes. Okay. Number one, I'm seen as a fat woman. Number two, I'm seen as a fat black woman which is different than just a fat woman. Number three, I'm seen as a singer, partially because I actually sing and partially because I'm a large black woman. Number four, I'm seen as an entertainer, both because I entertain, but also because I make people laugh. So I'm expected to be on a lot. Number five, I'm seen as cool, and I still haven't figured that out yet. Um, Number six, I'm seen as detached. Through my family's eyes, I deal with challenging emotions privately and in a way that keeps me from coming undone, specifically as it applies to my dad. My ability to deal and support my mother is directly affected by how I do or do not emote. Number seven, I'm seen as not a potential partner for Black men. Number eight, I'm seen as strong almost expected to be strong. And number nine, I am seen as a healer. Well, thank you so much for sharing your list. Um, What was it like to record this list? 
um, on a piece of paper and then maybe lose it and then rewrite it. <laughs> it was it was weird. At first, it felt like I needed to be super positive and I needed to put like really nice things like I'm seen as funny. I'm seen as smart. I'm seen like all these descriptors of who I was. But then I was like, ah, if I go to Miranda with like a bullshit list, she's going to be mad at me. So I probably need to do this. <laughs> I probably need to do this right. And so then like I thought about what is happening in your life right this second that is making you like people see you the most. So yeah, it was weird. I had to, I had to think about it. I thought it was really interesting <clears throat> that you, uh, I see someone, I see you as somebody who's, talks a lot about identity but then when I approached you about doing this you're like this is scary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought oh okay I need to think maybe about what I'm asking because I didn't think this would be a big ask that would be that scary to you um but yeah. it was it, it was it was yeah. really yeah I, I am really good at talking about exactly what I want to talk about and I have control and I have control the way it's delivered and it's very 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 like cultured and cultivated so because talking about myself is is difficult for me well thank awesome. you thank you for doing it <laughs> I'm excited. I would not think that of you as well because I do feel like you do share things that are incredibly personal um I, I mean I definitely learned some things on the list so, <laughs> yeah yeah so speaking of, let's let's get into it. Um, okay. So I believe it's best to use the same words that people use to describe themselves. So unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going to use the descriptors fat and black. Yeah. Is that okay? That's totally fine okay. with me. Yeah. So um, tell me about this distinction between being seen as a fat woman and then being seen as a fat black woman. So, you know, being seen as a fat woman, just moving around and taking up space is its own thing. You know, when you walk in somewhere, you can see people trying to figure out where you're going to sit versus where they're sitting and if they need to make space and if there's room for you. Um, moving through aisles at stores, you know, it is, I've had people like, you know, if I come down an aisle, move completely to the other side of the aisle and give me like an incredible amount of space because like, like, they're helping me out. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need that much space. It's good. I got it. I can navigate the hips by myself. So like there's that, you know, people wondering about your health, people, you know, being surprised that I dance, people being surprised that I'm active, People, the look on people's faces when they say, wait a minute, you dance? I'm like... I dance. I do. I move this body around a lot. So there's that, there's that, 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 just that physical being a large body, just that physical thing with nothing else attached to it, you know, like being a large body. And, I, and of course, that comes with everything, being attractive to people, being not attractive to people, whatever. But when you're a large black woman, there are all these things that come with that. Like you, they automatic people automatically think I'm sassy. Automatically, people automatically think you can sing, can't you? I bet you can sing because every black woman that's large can sing or they automatically think I can cook, which I'm an all right cook, but I'm not really <laughs> that good at it. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are all these things that, you know, are stereotypes that come to life when people see you or and even, you know, even when they talk to me and they hear the way I talk and they hear the things that I talk about, it's, you can see confusion on people's faces a lot of times because, 
you know, we can't help it. We have these kind of expectations of things because of what we're shown all the time. So I, I routinely have these conversations with people about like, oh, I bet you're this. I bet you, oh my God, I bet you take no mess at all. I bet you don't take any shit from anybody. Oh, I bet you can cut people down. I bet people are scared to fuck with you. It's like, nah, no, actually, that is quite the opposite. <laughs> as soon as I start smiling, people are like, oh God, she's easy. She she's not gonna hurt anybody. So it's a different, it's like a, a whole new heap of like, weird, no, I mean, and you know, you know it's a double-edged sword because I do sing, <laughs> which is fun and you know I can be sassy but I'm I don't I'm not always I mean I'm I can also be like super shy and awkward and and you know so it it takes away the ability to be multi-dimensional sometimes like people forget that there are like so many parts to somebody because they have this caricature of this like woman that rolls her neck and goes mm and they just have it. You can't help it. <laughs> are these a lot of uh, strangers that are saying these kind of things to you? Are they acquaintances? Like, give me some context. For that. So the 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 singers and the sassy stuff definitely comes from strangers. So so I'm at work and you know I I sing while I'm at work, but it's never loud. It's like the way you would sing anywhere. Like something comes on. Like by yourself, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They'll be listening, and it's probably happened ten to fifteen times at work. Somebody will lean over and go, "You sing, don't you? I bet you have an amazing voice. Do you sound like Aretha Franklin?" And I'm like, "No, no, I do not. <laughs> I wish I did. If I sound like Aretha Franklin, I probably would not be sitting here taking your copay. But thanks, <laughs> appreciate that." But no. So that happens a lot. Like, but, you know, and then you have to have the like, yeah, I do, I do sing. Yeah. But I don't sound like Aretha Franklin because this just in Nobody sounds like Aretha Franklin. <laughs> but it's that what black woman can I think of that sing? Oh, Aretha Franklin. You have to sound like her. Um, and in the same, I, a really good example is I was at a party two weeks ago and a friend introduced me to another person, and when she called my name, I was focused on something else. So when I turned around, I turned around, and I smiled. I was like, hi, you know, like, and I stuck my hand out to greet this other person, and he goes, oh, I can tell already. We're going to get along just fine. And all I had said was, hi, that's it. And I was like, what? <laughs> when he said that, I was like, what? He goes, well, I can tell already you are sassy. You are sassy and you don't take any mess at all. And you're not going to take any shit from anybody. And all I had said was, hi. Like, like that's, how did you get all of that from? That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And I was, lot I was like, and, and my friend was like looking at him like, why are you doing? Like, she just looked at him like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? No, no, no. She's. No, don't do that. But it's, you know, and I've had friends that are really, that have known me for years. Another prime example, like I, you know this because we've worked together in this way, but like a lot of people don't know that I get really shy sometimes when people come up to me and I'm not prepared and, and they start saying, oh my God, I saw this thing about dick and blood. I'm like, uh -huh. 
yeah but i'm in public please don't start talking about dick <laughs> oh, in front of me referencing the piece that you the, did yeah <laughs> at the live show about uh, exactly. how much you like dick yeah exactly <laughs> i'm like yes. say, it's the context of doing a live storytelling show where you mm-hmm. bared some of your personal business about what kind of sex you like and then people are coming up to you and like wanting and just even saying that like oh you did the dick piece like exactly uh I, I mean, yes, but yes, I did do that. And I was with a friend of mine, and my friend was like, "Yeah, she, d- yeah, she loves bedposts." And my friend starts going crazy. She's like, "Yeah, she does this," and they, she's yeah. on this podcast, and the person's like, "Oh, that's awesome." And I'm just kind of standing there, embarrassed because I'm like, "It's not. It's on the outside of that realm." And my and he walked away. The person walked away. And my friend was like, "What? Like, what happened?" And I was like, "I just." I, I get a little shy. I like it's it's. I mean, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed about anything that I do. But it, it, I'm not always ready. I'm not like it takes me a minute <laughs> to it's get startling. there. It's startling. Yeah. And she had no idea. Like I was like, you've never seen me be a little like standoffish with people at first. She's like, no. No, you're always just like loud and talking and moving around and, and laughing and cackling. I'm like, yeah, when we're out and we're drinking. But when I'm in Target, <laughs> looking for toothpaste, and I went talking about dick all loud. <laughs> but it's like, come on, girl. <laughs> like, stuff like that. It's like I think that two people, yeah, they they see if you're a performer, which you are, and you are pretty well known in Austin as a performer, then people will see you and think, oh, you're approachable. I can talk to you. You've talked about this on stage, so it's not going right. to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, all right. So if I may add to the conversation, though, um, this hashtag that you have to life, which is fat and black in Texas. Um, when did you start using that hashtag and what does it mean to you? Oh man. Oh man. I started using that hashtag like back when I had a Tumblr. So that, so that must've been date by social media, you know, 2011, yeah, 2011, 2010, 2011. And it was because I was, I don't even know how I, why I started eating. I was just like complaining about the heat and something else. And I was like, hashtag fat black in Texas. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and so I started this Tumblr. It just, it, it feels like the simplest description of me at just at, at my base. It feels like everything, not everything, but a large majority of the things that happen to me in my daily life that I go through in my daily life can be tracked back to, well, you know, I'm fat and I'm black and I live in Texas. That's so, yes, that makes sense. It makes sense that these things are happening because I'm fat and black in Texas. And that's and that's a thing. And nobody wants to talk about the fact that that's a thing because the word fat makes people very uncomfortable. And sometimes the word black makes me more comfortable, which I still don't understand. But I don't I want people to stop seeing it as a negative. And I feel like yes. if if I use it as my descriptor and I own it and I fit it and it definitely defines me and I feel it is me and I and that makes me happy and I'm excited about it. I feel like if I'm excited about it, maybe I can get people to stop whispering about it. Like I've had people go, I'm black and dead. I'm like, why, why are you whispering? <laughs> It's It's true. It's okay. I have have described you as someone who talks about being fat and black in Texas. And then I just say it just like that. And people are like, whoa. whoa, whoa." 
<laughs> they're just kind of startled like why did you say that like that mm-hmm. i'm like because that's how she describes herself yeah and that's just i support her and right. i and you so you've gotten rid of tumblr or maybe you still keep it up but you do you do still use that hashtag okay. which i love that you do because mm-hmm. it's so direct and to the point and it's just it's very clear mm-hmm. it's very clear that that is how you are seen, but also it's clear that that's how you choose to be seen right. as well. So in it, I feel a push and pull of um, maybe there's some bias, but there's also some celebration. Um, so it's kind of both of these things. That's exactly right. That's exact. That's like on the point. Oh, and good. Yeah, that's exactly right. And every and there are sometimes when I say it, and and it's happened several times. I'll go, well, you know, fat and black in Texas, and someone will go, oh no, no. You're not fat. And I'm like, I, it, yes, I am, <laughs> and it's okay. I'm not. That's not. That doesn't deserve. Oh, that's not. That's not what that's for. But I don't know. I'm hoping that as people get to know me, they'll feel comfortable like you do, and get and just get it and understand that that is what I prefer, and it has a. It's a purpose. It's on purpose. Yeah. All right. I want to move on through other things in your list. Um. You're seen as not a potential partner for black men. Um, And so part of being seen is recounting the times that we are not seen. So the times we feel invisible. So like, for example, I have the most heteronormative life right now, married with two kids. And yet, as opposed to other times in my life where I've identified more in the margins, I have felt more visible, invisible now than visible. Would you share how f- you feel invisible in the company of black men? And um, do you have an understanding why they, black men, um, do not view you as a potential partner? I mean, I have a lot of theories, but <laughs> I have no idea. It's, I um, I noticed it probably, um, it hasn't always been the case, but I noticed it more and more as probably as black people started leaving Austin. It's kind of hard to say. It's though I've always been atypical for a black girl as being told by others, right? So, you know, I've met black men and they've always given me either, oh, you're one of those smart girls or, oh, you're one of those like earthy girls or, or you're one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those, which is not, I guess... Typical, even though it seems typical to me. Um, But I've had a lot of black boyfriends in my life. But I've noticed probably in the last maybe 10 years or so that I just don't get approached by black men at all. And so it it was slow at first. And so it was just like, oh, they would look at me from across the room and and acknowledge me and see me. As you do with anybody, you look, you scan, you see something you like or you don't. Um, and in situations like that, it feels less um, offensive isn't the word, but like less picked out or singled out. It seems less singled out because we've all done that. We've all scanned the room and kind of like, oh, like we've all done that. So at first it was slow. I was just like, oh, well, he's just not into fat chicks or he's just not into whatever I'm into. It's like when I had an afro because it's because when, you know, there's that, too. There's a lot of inner community black stuff like when I stopped putting perms on my hair it was 15 years ago and nobody was doing that and so when I had this like wild natural hair I wasn't really attractive to to a lot of men because they were like what are you doing with your hair why does it look like that (laughs) why is your hair so nappy what is going on 
So there was that kind of aspect of it, too. So every time that happened, I was like, oh, he just doesn't like natural hair. He's like the fat girls or whatever. And it's fine. But then it moved from that to just like, I mean, not even I would watch men not even see me, like not even stop and look at me. And I'd be like, maybe you're just being sensitive. Maybe you're just being sensitive. When it was when I was single, I was like, oh, you're sensitive because you're single. And then I got a boyfriend who's white. And normally, you know, the old adage is true. Like nobody wants you until you have someone. And then they're like, hey. And that was true of white men. It was not true of black men. Even with a white partner, was sometimes we would, you know, go out of town and black men out of town would be like, like, why are you with this white dude? That's why they would look at me. But it was never like checking me out ever, never. Then my boyfriend and I broke up and I thought, okay, I'm back on the market. This is awesome. Um, still nothing. Just complete event. Like it's a strange thing when you when you go somewhere and you see people that look like you that have absolutely no interest in connecting with you. It's a very hard thing to swallow. And it's not even it's not even on like it's not even a, an ego thing. It's just I would love to be able to connect with you and have a conversation with you. Like black women forget about it. Like, hey girl, what's up? Oh, I like your hair. That's so cute. Like blah 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 blah. But black men, even if I did try to approach them like, oh hey, you look nice. So not even to hit on them, but just like, nice time, man. We're the only two black people in a sea of white faces. I would love to connect to you right now. So I'm gonna say I like your tie. And it would be immediately like, oh, it was something. Like, not, just like not even taking the time. And it just got more and more obvious to me, more and more obvious. Like, just, you know, I'd be somewhere and I'd see, and it wasn't, it's not even about, like, because some of my friends are like, or maybe they just like white girls. It's not even about that. It's it's me. And I, and, I, and I don't know what it is. Because you see the, you see black men checking out other black women. Exactly. Exactly. And now here we are now. And, you know, Austin's, what, like less than 7% black people. And I have another friend of mine who feels the same way. She's like, oh, no, they don't check me out either. And she's a black chick. And so now I'm like, is it because I'm dark? Like, I, it, I definitely have these conversations with myself. Like, what is it? What is it? Is it, am I giving off something in my because I used to try, I blamed on everything. Like, it's because you're fat. But then I would see a black dude with a fat girl. I'm like, okay, so it's not because you're fat. It's because of this. Nope, no, okay, so it's not that. It's like, what, where is the, I, I can't figure out what it is. And so I don't know if it's an Austin thing or not. But I am, I feel it. I, I just felt it, like, last week. I was somewhere, and, like, it you know, 300 people in a club, 15 black men and me. And I looked. I was the only black woman in that entire club for like an hour and a half. And not one of those men even glanced. Like they they scanned past me. When I'm somewhere and I'm the only black person or even the only woman, I scan for other women just because I want that. I'm like, oh, God, there's another woman. Like, I want that connection. So in Austin, when I'm someplace, as I am very often, and I'm the only black person there, I scan. I look for another black person. When I find that black person, if they come anywhere near me, whether they are a woman, a man, I don't care what they are. I want to connect, even if it's just a look to say, hey, man, I see you. How's it going? A nod, something. I get nothing from black men. Nothing. 
it's and, and I was like, yeah, it sounds incredibly isolating. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sorry that that's happening to you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really strange. It's strange. So I'm 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 like just now getting to that age to where I'm like, why is that? Or like, what is that about? What is that about? So. Uh, so I want to talk now a bit about your family. Um, so you write that your family sees you as detached because of how you process emotions mm-hmm. and that the tenor of your relationship with your mother is based on how you emote. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, can you describe the, how you process emotions as compared to how your mother does? Yeah. Um, so my mother is the matriarch, and she's been the matriarch since for forever and so she keeps her emotions in check until she's angry um or until she's just exhausted like she like when she's tired she's very emotional and that's that's as far as bad not bad but like hard emotions when it comes to love she i love you i'm so proud of you i love you i love you i love you my babies i love you i love you i love you i love you um but when it comes to like those hard emotions, she's very, she's also very calculated. Like she says, I'm disappointed in you. And here are all the ways and the reasons that I'm disappointed in you. And it's very matter of fact. And it's very, you know, pointed. It's never like, why would you, why would you do the, like, she's, she's not a crier. She's not, she's just not. Um, and I, deal with my emotions similarly as she's gotten older and with now that my father has dementia like she has gotten more she's gotten better with her emotions like she is I can go to her and I can say okay mom what's up like you're being snippy what's happening what's going on and she'll say you know I'm sad and this is why and I feel resentful and I feel upset and I'm losing my husband and she'll cry and she'll emote and it's huge because she never did that and so I'm like excited for her and proud of her but at the same time I want to make sure that I am a safe space for her and I know that if she sees me crying mom is going to kick in and she will put her emotions aside and she and she will deal with them and so I feel like we've kind of we're in this switch in the switch game now. I am the same way. I tell people I love them all the time because I want them to know I don't want a day to go by. Super affectionate. I emote happiness all the time. When it comes to sadness, that's the only place that I struggle. I'm really good with, if I'm angry, I'm very good at being like, this is fucked up. You pissing me off. Why are you being like this? Blah, 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 blah. I don't blow up. But sadness is really hard for me. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to be just like sad and downtrodden and just fall apart because I'm just, I'm really scared that if I do, I might not be able to put myself back together. (laughs) So, so I just, I have kind of taken on this role of making sure that my sister has a place that she can fall apart because my sister, when it comes to my father, does a lot. I need to be a safe place for her to say, I'm really fucking tired of this shit. I'm tired of, I feel like I'm losing my father. I'm tired of changing my father's diapers. Like, I want to be that place that she can come and be safe and say, fuck, this is awful. So I'm that for her. When I get really sad, I go home. I turn on my sad music. I cry. And then I feel better. (laughs) 
it's like, and that is how I do it. But to my mother, it looks like I'm like, okay, we have a problem. Let's fix this problem. We don't have time to cry. What we need to do is come up with solutions. And it's just that is how I keep myself from falling into a puddle on the floor. Because I just, now is not the time for that, in my opinion. Well, was it ever too much for your mother? Were you emoting? I mean, did you, have you ever fallen apart in front of your mother? That's a good question. Maybe one time I had a pretty bad, like, pretty bad blow up. My, my, I have a bio dad. My bio dad, like, is one of those, like, come and go pops. Like, he just kind of pops in and out. And he, he didn't come to my graduation. And I graduated from high school. He didn't come. He promised me he was going to come. And he was like, I'm so excited to see you. I'm flying in. It's going to be great. And I expected him to be there. And I, like, saved a seat for him and all this good stuff. And I, I came from this really small school, so only 57 of us are graduating. So when you walk across the stage, you're like, this is Nikki. Her mom is so-and-so. Her dad is so-and-so. She's going to be, like, you got this whole thing so they can fill out time for the graduation. So I'd even written him into my little thing, and he didn't show up. And he sent me a 100 bucks and, like, this, like, shitty letter or some shit. And um, I wouldn't take the money. And my mom was like, you have to take the money. I was like, no, I don't want to take the money. I don't take anything from him. I want to prove to myself that I can do everything that I'm going to do without his help. So I don't want the money and I don't want it. <laughs> and my mom was one of those mothers that never said a bad thing about my dad, even though he was selfish and he was a child and he was irresponsible. She never said anything bad. And we got into this fight about this $100 and I just fell apart. I just, I just it was the whole just like, I can't trust anything that, if I can't trust my own father, how can I trust any man ever? How am I going to get married? I'm going to have a husband if the only man I have that is supposed to love me unconditionally fails me constantly. Just like and I couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days. And like, and it took, I think it just, it took a toll on my mom. It made her really sad and it made her start questioning her choices. And I'm sorry, I didn't choose a good father for you. And, and like, it's not about that. It's not about that. You're not. You're not in control of this man. Like, you're 17. Come on. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? But it made her, she internalized so much of it. And I'm just, I'm just not having it. <laughs> so it seems like that's, if anything, the origin story of where then you yeah. started to be your own container. Yeah. I mean, is anyone else a container for you for your emoting? Hmm. My sister. My sister's really great about it. Yeah. 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 Like if I go to my sister and I'm like, I'm about to cry. She's like, okay, let me get some wine. Let me get some <laughs> chips. And then I'm going to close the door and I'm going to be ready. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, she's, she's Are awesome. the chips and wine for her or for you? They're for her. Because <laughs> she's like, that's how she can handle it. She's like, all right, I'm ready. Give it to me. <laughs> and she'll be like, at the end, she'll be like, that's it? I'm like, yes. She's like, you did so good this time. She's like, I'm not even done with this glass of wine. Yeah. She's like, oh, good for you. This wasn't even like, you know, normally when you're crying, this is something you should have told me seven months ago. This is this is good. Like, she's great. Yeah. I'm super lucky. I'm really lucky. And, you know, I, I, I feel that like because I am and, and this is legitimately, you know, 90% of the time, I'm in a good mood and I'm happy and I'm laughing and I'm making other people laugh and I'm being silly and it's genuine. I just, I'm very, very lucky. I'm surrounded by amazing people. And so I do have this kind of 
fucked up charmed life in one side and the other side kind of a fucked up life but like I'm very lucky and so 90% of the time I am happy so when you see me I'm like hey girl what's up how's it going telling jokes being loud but then there's that 10% when I just want you to leave me alone and I want to be petty and I want to be mad about some some shit I see on television or I'm just not I don't feel like being on. I don't feel like being happy and being the conversation starter or being the party starter. or And that, and I got that nickname for a long time. Like, oh, you're here. The party can start now. Or people would invite me and they'd be like, what time are you coming? Because by this time, I want people to be dancing. And I know that if you're here and you start dancing, people will dance. Like, things like that. Like, I'm like, well, what if That's I want... a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And what if I want to come to yeah, your party? Yeah, what if you, the 10% is on? Yeah. You don't want to be Exactly. That. What if I want to come to your party and sit in the corner and play with the dog? Like, what if I'm not <laughs> like dancing that day? Or it's like, and, and, and that's happened to me several times, where people be like, okay, so when are you coming? Or what time are you going to be there? Because I'm not going to be there if you're going to And part of me is like, that's sweet. That's sweet that you want to be somewhere that I want to be. That is sweet. And that's luck. I'm lucky. But the other part of me is like, no, you need to have your own happiness. Figure that shit out. Find it. And then when I get there, we can be happy together. Do not count on me. That's fair. To be your good time. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Because eventually I'm going to show up and I'll be like, happy birthday. I just want to be left alone. (laughs) Like, it's hard. It bleeds over into my, you know, people will be like, oh, you're not smiling there. You're in a bad mood. Normally, you're just smiling, even at work. Oh, you know, you're not I just look forward to your smile every day, every time I come in. I'm like, great. Hey, how's it going? You want to give me your money or we're going to chit-chat all day? Like, sometimes we're just not in it. And it, it, it hurts people's feelings. Like, when they want to see you be like, hey, 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 and you won't give it to them, I can see the, like, disappointment on their faces. And luckily I've gotten to the age where I don't care. I used to really care and I would just pull it together and just be like, I'm sorry, it's, it's been a bad day. I'll take me some time. Let me get a couple of drinks and then I'll I'll shuck and jive for you. I'll just, you know what I mean? But like now I've gotten to the age where I'm like, sorry about it. You're gonna have to find somebody else to make you laugh. I'm not in the mood today. Sorry. I mean it like you have a ninety percent rate of being happy. I'm really like, lucky. Uh before you leave two things. One um, I want to know what you would like to see on your scene list a year from now. Ooh. And two, I'll give you the second one while you ponder that, is I want um, for you to share some of the work that you're doing, um, which is very body positive, sex positive. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, ooh, that's a really good question. A year from now, I'd really like to be seen as an author. I'd really like to be seen as author. I'm trying to finish a book of short stories. So I would really like to be seen as that. And then I would also like to be seen as... Well, I'm excited to hear about the author one. <laughs> I like, to, you know what? I'd actually like to be seen as like a partner. I think I'm ready to have a partner. I'm ready to have a significant other. I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think that's what, yeah. Because I, I think that it's time. I think it's time. I think those are the only two that I can think of right off the top of my head. Those are great. An author and a partner. Yeah. 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 I did. And then I, I just, yeah, I want to continue, of course, to be fat black in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think I can get away from. I, I can't I mean, get away from that. Unless you move. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we have to do. Um, 
Uh, good. Yeah. Please don't lose that hashtag. Yeah. No. Which means no. don't move. I'm not moving. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm not going anywhere. Good. Um, I forgot what two was. Oh, just um, if you want to talk a little bit about some of the work that you do, just oh, so, you know, Fat Bottom Cabaret, I mean, like just yeah. like I'm Nikki or you know, I mean, whatever. You don't even have to timestamp it, but just sure. where people can find you if you want people to find you, or just share okay. some of the work that you've been doing because it's I've been in the audience of your show. And it's incredible. And I think a lot of um, a lot of what we've talked about here in the scene list, you are putting out there um, in the world as well for creativity and entertainment. So. Yeah. Thanks. I hope so. Um, so I am the founder and director of Fat Bottom Cabaret. It is a plus size cabaret troupe in Austin, Texas. And so we have women ranging from size 10 to 12, which is pretty normal for like 80% of the women in America, um, to size 26 and their mothers and their students. And it like we run the gamut. And my idea for starting it was or to prove that any woman can be sexy. Like you can you can be sexy. It doesn't matter what you look like. So whether you're a size 10 or size 26, you're beautiful, you're sexy. And if seeing us on stage will help you see that in yourself, that I that I've done my job. That's all we care about. We just want to get on stage and be like, look, we're dancing. Our you're seeing parts of our bodies. So we don't so we don't wear a lot of clothes when we dance. <laughs> because the point <laughs> is we want you to see what this body looks like moving. And anything that you see other people that are smaller than you doing, you can do it too. So that was that's the plan of that. So we have shows and we play, we dance around town. And every quarter I produce a, I co-produce with another queer, a queer woman of color, Chola Magnolia. We produce a all person of color um, collective called Midnight Menagerie. We do a burlesque show. It's like a burlesque and variety show because you can go anywhere and see Lots and lots of white ladies do burlesque. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but <laughs> we wanted to create a stage where you could see other types of bodies, too. You could see queer bodies. You can see bodies of color. So, you know, the only thing that we ask if you are a guest of ours is that you be queer, be of size, or you be of color. And if you fall into those things, you have a stage with us to perform and do your art and get paid to do your art, which I think is also important. So I just, it's about visibility, like just trying to create visibility for people that you just don't often see portrayed as being sexy and being desirable or being talented even. Yeah. And those ladies are fucking sexy as fuck. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they just, and it opens, I feel like it also opens up for each of us. It opens up, like, I'm not the same person I was when I started this. But at all, at all, there's a, you can't be. This is what this body looks like. And it's beautiful. And you shouldn't be ashamed of it. And this is what it looks like for a 30-year-old gay man that wants to have glitter in his beard and wear a wig and strip down to his. <laughs> this is what that looks like. Like, And I can't, I don't, I'm imagining or I've like inserted my, what I saw. Like I saw maybe someone who is pregnant and their belly has been stretched out and it's all yeah. wrinkly. Mm -hmm. That's how mine looks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Moms with yeah. the pregnant. <laughs> she, what does she call? Oh my God. She calls it her scrambled eggs. She's like, this is my scrambled eggs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good description. And she loves it. She's yeah. like, she, and she like, I love that. I love that. Nikki Devon, thank you <laughs> so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and whenever the fuck you sleep. I do not know. 
I don't know. <laughs> I crash. That's what happens. Like, I'll not sleep for two weeks, and then I'll be like, nobody talk to me for three days, and I'll sleep for three days. I, I feel a crash might be coming soon. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad I'm here. Thank you yeah. for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. This is this is great. I can't wait to hear the rest of them. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for being seen with Miranda. The scene team includes me, Miranda Wiley, producer Mariah Gossett, and with editing support from Sarah K. Mohammed and Andrew Mohammed. Music provided by Solid State Dream Suit. Thanks for listening. This is Scene with Miranda. Hey, it's Mariah, producer with The Scene Podcast. Just reminding you, you can find us on social media to follow along for fun behind-the-scene photos and clips from upcoming shows. Find us on Facebook at Scene Podcast or on Instagram at Scene underscore with underscore Miranda. Hope to see you soon. Crowd control.